demurely. White muslin, blue satin sashes, the sweet and innocent fashion that was so popular. My father would have understood my liking for something more elegant, but then my father was dead. Cousin Kenneth had not only inherited his lands and his title, he'd also inherited me in the form of guardianship. That rose gown you wore at the ball last evening, he said to me not six months earlier. I should have thought something in pale blue or lemon yellow might be more suitable. I'm a black Scot, I said. He and his family had flaming red hair. My dark hair is unsuited to pale colours. I look as if I'm dying of consumption. He grinned. Surely it isn't that bad. I couldn't help but smile as well, but I stood my ground all the same. You aren't a woman. Cousin Kenneth. Ask Cousin Katriana. She'll understand. His wife was known for her excellent taste in all matters of dress. He said in exasperation, How am I to find a husband for you, my dear? If you make it so difficult, you're as headstrong as your father was. I'd rather choose my own husband, if you please, I told him, but I knew how unlikely that was. By the terms of my father's will, I was Cousin Kenneth's ward until I was thirty. My father had wanted to protect me in the event he wasn't there, and to my great sorrow, he wasn't. Had he known? Had he had a premonition that he would die young? The suggestion made my cousin frown, and there was an undercurrent of worry in his voice as he asked, There isn't anyone you have particularly in mind? Someone you met in London? or France, someone unsuitable. To his credit, Kenneth had been very forbearing, but he also took his duty seriously, and in the end he would insist when he felt it was in my best interests. I'm not likely to run off with gypsies, or one of the gillies, I answered as lightly as I could. When that didn't erase the frown, I said, No, you needn't worry that I'll do anything so foolish. I know what I owe to my name and my station. Still, I like some say in the matter. After all, I'm the one who must live with your choice. My parents had married for love. It had also been a very fine match. I was discovering how rare a thing this was in my circle. I've had several very fine offers for your hand, Elspeth, and I can't go on putting them off. You must understand that your husband is your future and it's not a matter to treat lightly. And then he'd added, If there's a war, the eligible men will be the first to die. I could only promise to remember his good advice. And now here I was, in France, Ilan Montigny suddenly realising that I exist. The more I saw of him, the more I liked him. I could easily imagine spending the rest of my life with him, He reminded me a little of Bruce, Cousin Kenneth's middle son. Perhaps that's why I felt so comfortable in Alain's company. Madeline was always finding new ways of throwing us together. Concerts, the opera, dinner parties, whatever invitations she could persuade Henri to accept on my behalf, after making certain that Alain would also be present. Poor Henri became, unwittingly, the matchmaker. She cannot stay cooped up in my rooms all day, and you know how I fall asleep in the evenings.
She's used to London society, she had told her husband. We must contrive amusements for her. After all, look how happy she has made me. I want her to be happy too. She'd given me an account of the conversation a few weeks later. Henri, bless him, was a lovely man who cared deeply for his wife and spoiled her without reservations. But we talked on these excursions, he and I, about the war. And one night, as we were returning from a dinner party, he said to me, England isn't involved at the moment. That could change. You speak French like a native, but your papers are British. If the Germans cannot be stopped, you could find yourself accused of spying. I hadn't considered my own danger. Still, I said, surely there's a plenty of time, as long as Germany respects the frontier.